0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. There were days where we thought we wouldn't make it out, but we stuck it out. Today's our day. You've come to the right place. Today's our day. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Hashtag kill all men. It's a hashtag I came across in a recent blog article by Timothy Deal, And we, when he asked his daughter about it, she told him it wasn't supposed to be taken seriously. It was just a reflection that women don't need men. Now, I do understand that men benefit from the patriarchy in some ways, but they're also damaged by it. And I want you to think of that hashtag and imagine any other specified group after kill all. Would it be okay? I think not. Grouping certain people together and then dismissing them out of hand is problematic no matter who that group is. It minimizes their uniqueness and forces them into restrictive boxes where some behaviors are okay and others are demonized. And I'm gonna be tackling the challenges of the man box with my guest, sex and relationship coach, Dr. Charlie Glickman. Charlie, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about what can be a very uh, challenging topic to talk about.
1: Thanks for having me today. And yes, it's a pleasure to be here. And I totally agree. This is a very sticky conversation to get into. And I think that explains why uh, why it's so challenging. There's so many pieces that can come up around this.
0: Right. And you've been teaching a workshop on male gender socialization for many years with a focus on quote, act like a man box, unquote. So can you describe what this box is?
1: Sure. So this is based on an exercise that I learned from Paul Kibble's book, Men's Work. Uh, so to give him credit, he's the one who came up with it, and then I've been using it in workshops for more than 30 years now. Wow. Um, The way way that the exercise works is I ask the group to brainstorm, what is the stereotypical real man? doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be someone you know. It could be something you've seen in the media or maybe someone who you've met personally, whatever it is. And then I ask a series of questions to, to sort of get a clear picture. So... Let's describe what he looks like. what does he do for a living? What does he do for fun? What are the kinds of relationships he has? Uh-huh. Um, and then, depending on the audience, we can dig in you know when I do this exercise with a group of therapists, we can dig into questions like what are some of the common emotional concerns that come up here that uh-huh. kind of thing uh-huh. um and what I have found with this exercise is that uh We get the same answers over and over again. (laughs) Now, there is some
0: variation, but Mm -hmm. but
1: we do get some variation, but I've done this exercise with groups of men, women, transgender folks, cisgender people, LGBT people, all ages, all races, everything from college students all the way up to senior citizens. Mm -hmm. And the descriptions that we get, are very, very consistent. So when I ask, what does a quote unquote real man look like? Mm. Um, the first three words that come up almost every time are some variation of uh, tall, strong, muscular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, When I ask questions like, uh, what does he do for a living? It falls into two categories. Either he's like a blue collar laborer uh-huh. He is a construction worker or a car mechanic, or he is a very wealthy, high-powered CEO or lawyer or politician. Interesting. Mm. And it's <laughs> consistent. It's really fascinating how consistent it is. Um, when I ask, uh, you know, what are his personal relationships like? You know, I hear things like, he's a player. He has sex with lots of women. You know, he is always the one who's in charge. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very, very consistent. And then I take this list that we've come up with and I draw a big rectangle around it, a box. And then I ask people, what are the names that men get called if we're not all of these things? Uh And we hear, we hear the words always fall into one of three categories. Either you're gay, Mm -hmm. you're a woman, or you're a loser. (laughs) Oh my gosh okay um, right and, and yeah. again, this is very, very consistent. Mm-hmm. I get the same words from at least from English speaking people. I get the right. same words over and over again, and what this what this exercise really highlights is how strong this act like a man box is mm-hmm. um and and it, we get taught these things when we're very young. You know, if you have ever oh, yeah. said or seen somebody say to a young child, maybe three or four years old, you know, he's riding his bicycle, he falls down and skins his knee and starts crying.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: somebody is probably going to say to him, Why are you crying? I thought you were a big boy.
0: <sighs> yeah, it just I it, it yeah, it 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 breaks my heart. It it really breaks too. my heart
1: me too and i think this also explains why two things that this explains one why when men get upset or angry or feel hurt or feel socially isolated we often turn into toddlers in an adult body uh-huh uh-huh but the, the emotional reaction is very childlike because there's this sort of stuntedness that started way back when when he was four years old. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um so so that's one thing that I think it helps explain. The other thing though is why this is so strong, so so consistent, it's because everybody not everybody, the vast majority of the world is telling men, you have to fit into this box. Right. And when boys have been shamed and abused and traumatized out of having connection to their emotions. Mm-hmm. The only safe place is in the box, right? So yeah. yeah, this is this is a very tricky thing.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of a story that that I heard that I heard Brene Brown talking about when she was on her um, she was on her book tour, and. Um, it was I know exactly the
1: story you're going to say.
0: Her vulnerability, yeah. yeah, the vulnerability where the man comes up to her and says, why don't you talk about vulnerability in
1: men? Well, and specifically <laughs> one of the things that he said is yeah. that he was at this talk with his wife and his daughter.
0: Yeah, and can't and, fall off his horse.
1: And every time he shows weakness, they get scared because right. he's not big, strong daddy anymore.
0: Right, right. Right, and and so I mean, and and this is the thing: women say they want this from men until they get it, and then they're freaked out. And this is where the patriarchy is bad for everybody. Um, and and you know, it, it, and it's it's just as confining for men in in different ways. Yes, they tend to have more power, but that's not necessarily healthy. So you also talk about how this act like a man box results in performative masculinity. And I think we're kind of right on the edge of that. So I want to just right, jump right into that. And what does that mean? I mean, it, it it is sort of like, I can't, I, I'm limited, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so it's called the act like a man box because nobody can do everything inside the box 24 hours a day. Sometimes it's impossible for some of us. For example, I'm five foot six. I'm never going to be any taller than that. So it is is literally not possible for me to fit into the act like a man box. Uh Sometimes these are things that we can do for part of our lifetime, but not all of it. For example, when I ask people how old this real man is, Uh the age range generally falls between 25 and 50. So if you live long enough, you're going to be... Out of the man box. box, Like a man box. Right. Which Mm -hmm. I think helps explain why older men really struggle with this. And then the other reason is that there's also a lot of contradictions in the box. Mm -hmm. You can't both be a CEO and a car mechanic. And I have talked to men (laughs) who are do manual labor, who think that they're not successful as men because they're not wealthy. Right. And I've talked to men who have all of the wealth and the power who feel like they're not real men because they don't get their hands dirty. And so because we can't ever live in the box all the time, it's just not possible. Uh So what we do is we perform. Uh Um, And the way that this usually works is we'll pick something that we can do and then turn the volume up on it really, really high. It's kind of like that scene in The Wizard of Oz, you know, don't look behind the curtain. Right. <laughs> so, so, for example, for some men, it might show up as uh, being obsessed with sports. Mm-hmm. Because knowing all of the trivia about your favorite sports team, you know, if I can just do that, maybe you won't notice that I'm not wealthy. Mm. Or... Uh, maybe it will be that I'll become a player and have sex with every woman who I can talk to, into getting into bed. Uh-huh. Or maybe I will, uh, you know, become a workaholic or I'll really become a heavy drinker because that's a macho thing to do, whatever it is. Uh-huh. It becomes a performance because if I can distract you with the thing that I can do, you might not notice all these other things that I can't do. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing I want to say about this word performance is that it's also really fascinating to me that when we're talking about sex, mm-hmm. what does, you know, men sexually perform? Women don't perform. Women receive. You know, men give women blowjobs. I'm sorry. I take that back. Edit that one out, please. Right. Men, right. men give women orgasms. Right. It's my job to give you an orgasm. That's performance. Right. And so we have all of these men walking around putting on this show in order to protect themselves. And then we wonder why so many guys don't know how to touch their feelings.
0: Well, yeah, because they've been shamed away from them. I mean, it's, I guess, it's yeah. you know, you talk about, I mean, you know, lust and anger are the two emotions that men are encouraged to have
1: yeah well, and, and and that's an interesting thing that you bring up uh anger, because you know when you don't have access to your fear, your uh-huh. sadness, your shame, your grief, your loss, all of these very natural human emotions, all that's left is anger, so that's uh-huh. one piece uh-huh. the other piece though, if we think back to that little three year old who got shamed for crying, uh-huh. And then he never gets taught how to handle his emotions. So when he's an adult in an emotionally tender moment, that's going to be very triggering because he doesn't have the skill set. And what happens when we get triggered? We go into fight, flight, fawn, freeze. Uh-huh. And out of that, fight is the one that men get taught to do. Right. So anger is a huge piece of this. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know, I mean, and it's because, yeah, it's sort of like you know, if you're on the highway and there's an accident and suddenly you get detoured, it's like you can't go where you want to go, but you get shunted off into, you know, here's this other way, and that's what happens with men and their emotions, and you know, you know, anger is the one that's acceptable, and so when all you have is anger, that's 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 everything just gets shunted into that, and. I, it, it's,
1: well, it's, well, I, I want to, can I add a bit of nuance to that? Absolutely. It's not just because all you have is anger. It's also because you're having all of these internal experiences of emotion mm-hmm. that either feel scary to admit because mm-hmm. you're going to be all those things that are outside the box. Right. Or because of Real man is supposed to be competent uh, if you feel like you are incompetent at handling your emotion, that's also going to be very triggering so there's all of these different factors that lead men to only be able to access anger
0: wow I mean, and as you' as you're talking about this i'm 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 replaying conversations that I've had with my clients, specifically a lot of the wives who talk about. You know, they, they want their husbands to be in touch with the emotions and open up, but they want them to do it the way the wife does it, exactly. <laughs> which is like, okay, now exactly. we've just now now we've just sh- it's like okay, it, it's it's you can't do it in the way that that is um, authentic to you. You have to do it in the way that makes me feel okay. And it's like okay, so it's like oh my, it looks like it's no wonder that so many men. I mean, you know, they they don't want to go there because, like you said, they're they're supposed to be competent at this at this thing. That not only have they not been taught, they've actually been taught the the opposite to it.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I will say that like there there is something very real though in this, which is that when someone is starting to access their emotions, their skill set is very childlike Uh because that's where they were when that got taken away from them. Uh So I I, I definitely agree with you. I've talked to plenty of women who seem to want men to access their emotions, but only in the right way or only in the way that feels good to the the woman involved. But there is a grain of truth in this which is that, you know, if I'm talking to somebody and he gets triggered and turns into an angry five-year-old, there's a problem there, too. Uh-huh. So so the challenge is how do we help somebody move through that process and learn the things that were withheld from him
0: uh-huh.
1: in a way that is supportive of the relationship?
0: Right. So, this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Doris, and I'm having an interesting conversation about The Man Box with Sex and Relationship Coach, Dr. Charlie Glickman. And if you struggle with allowing yourself or your partner to embrace all facets of thoughts, feelings, and non-traditional behavior, you may be trying to live in this box. And I'm going to tell you, it's destructive. Taking a stand for yourself or for your partner can be scary, but it's necessary if you're going to have an authentic relationship. And if you'd like to know what that looks like, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me either through email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. Or you can reach me by telephone at area code 919 9240463 Again, that's 919 9240463 And schedule a five-star relationship strategy call. Um, Now, I want to get back to this conversation about the man box and how it impacts the view of masculinity. And so, Charlie, how does the man box and this, what you call this fleeting nature of manhood, how does it impact men's health, sexuality, and relationships? Because it's, I mean, we're talking about this It's like it's all this big, (laughs) massive stuff
1: yeah that's a big question i i can i think there's a few different ways that this shows up i think mean, first, just on a on a on a on an internal level, not being able to talk about your emotions, not being able to process them creates a lot of stress and strain in the
0: body-huh
1: and I think this is one reason why uh, cisgender men are more prone to get heart attacks uh uh-huh. um hypertension, you know, a lot of guys will turn to alcohol and drugs as a way of trying to like soothe or numb those difficult feelings. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But another way that it shows up is, uh, you know, a lot of men will resist going to the doctor. They'll resist getting their bodies taken care of the, because uh-huh. that means, you know, if, if I have to go to the doctor because I have a health issue, then I'm not a real man and that is too scary. Right, I'm weak. Somehow I'm weak. I don't even know what that yeah. means, but yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's asking for help, too. It's not just mm-hmm. that, it's the asking for help. And back right. before we all had, you know, GPS on our phones, the old joke was that you know men would rather be lost than ask for directions when they were driving somewhere. Uh-huh. So so that's, that's a piece of it, too. But also, you know, because we act like a man box, one of the ways that it defines sexuality is you know, sexual performance means get it up, get it in, and get it off. Uh-huh. And so men's sexuality gets like collapsed down to this question of, you know, how big is your penis? How hard does it get? Do you stay hard long enough? And do you ejaculate? Uh-huh. And, and isn't it interesting that there's nothing in there that asks, how do you feel about that? Did you Uh enjoy this experience? Is this something you would want to do again? Uh So um, it really becomes more about scoring than it is about intimacy or connection or pleasure.
0: Well, Um, yeah. And this explains a lot of of the, yeah, this explains a lot of, you know, since pornography is now so, I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember when, you know, magazine covers were were you know brown paper and if you went and, and and you know there were sex stores where you could go in i mean it wasn't like you know you pick up your phone and you have instant access to pornography which is what we've got now and that's also you know very performative and very um inner,
1: uh, impersonal right because well, well, they never yes, say no yes well and and one other piece to that too is that, um, And I want to be clear, I think that erotic media, whether it's porn or any other medium, can be a great addition for people's sex lives. It can help uh-huh. you discover fantasy. There's a lot of great things that could happen there. <laughs> but, once, but something that also happens is that when your attention is not in your body, it's on the screen. Uh-huh. Whether that screen is in your hand or across the room on the wall. Right. You're actually training yourself to dissociate during sex. Mm-hmm. And I have talked to many, many, many people, both men and their partners, who talk about how difficult it is when he's just checked out. Like she mm-hmm. can tell that he's closed his eyes and he's replaying a porn movie in his head. Right, right. And, and you know... That can really lead to a lot of problems. Not the least of which is for the receiving partner, whatever gender they are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to feel used. I, I don't know how many people I've heard tell me that they felt like they were just a masturbation sleeve for their guy, right, who's watching the porn movie on
0: In the inside head. of his eyelids. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and and you know, there's so many there's so many challenges to this. I mean, you're talking about you know you're talking about not going to the doctor. I mean, you know, this is. You know, this is one of the reasons why you know, or, or developing um, you know, heart disease because they're holding in their stress and their grief and their hurt and all of all of the unpleasant emotions that most of us would really rather never experience. But guess what? You're alive, yeah. so you're going to. And and being able to to know how to handle them, and you know, as opposed to you know, it's kind of like you know, we're about to have the Big huge sports event in a couple of days, you know, and it's like it's okay for for men on, on you know, to cry when they lose a game, but don't yeah. do it any other time, right? You know, don't you know? It's okay for men to be in physical contact with each other, you know, in a sports contest, but don't do it outside. I mean, you know, these these yeah. rules, these rigid rigid rules, that it's like, oh my, you know, and I mean, and again, it's not to say that we all don't have issues with stereotypes or expectations, societal expectations. But in this particular case, the man box is deadly. So,
1: Definitely.
0: how can a man find his way out of this? I mean, it is—I mean—it is so hard. To take, I mean, I've discovered this in just being an ally of men in their marriages, that it's like people look at me like, what is the matter with you? You're abandoning your, you know, you're abandoning women. It's like, no, I'm not. I mean, it's like women have a crap load of support out there. I'm not abandoning them. I'm standing in alignment with these people who I think have value. You know, that I, I just have, when I saw that kill all men, it just, it was, I was like, I'm sorry, I, I can't handle this. So how can men get out of this box?
1: Well, this is part of where it gets tricky, because as soon as you start talking about this topic, mm-hmm. you've placed yourself outside the box.
0: Mm.
1: And that's a very scary place to be. Um, so I, I think there's two pieces. One is that we need, as men, we need to start getting into our bodies. And I don't mean in the sense of like, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get all big and muscular and going to oh, run right. an ultramarathon or whatever. <laughs> but it's learning how to feel the signals that your body is giving you mm-hmm. and learning how to work with them and how to manage them. And and this is something in my work as a somatic coach I uh-huh. have found we really need to feel our way through. We can't just talk about it you You uh-huh. can talk about these topics for years and still never get anything done uh-huh. so so that's one piece. I think another piece is that we need to see this reflected back to us from other men, so whether that's a friend or you join a men's group or uh-huh. you find a community somewhere but we we need something we need we need something for that um, so that that that's another piece and then i guess one last piece is that we need support from someone other than the women we have personal relationships with you know a lot of men the only person who they open up to is their girlfriend or their wife uh uh-huh. uh-huh. and and that's not fair that's right. not fair and it also is not effective so you know whether you work with a practitioner or a trusted friend you have to talk to someone other than your partner.
0: Yeah, I mean there because there's there's a, there's a lots of there's a lot of reasons why that that doesn't work really well. Um but you know you you oh, talk about this you talk about this getting into you, into our bodies and feeling and it's and it's very interesting. Um I I'm not exactly sure what planets were in alignment? But my father was an engineer. My husband is a scientist. Several of my boyfriends were scientists. My son is a scientist. My my son-in-law is you know science oriented. It's like so. I'm, I mean I'm surrounded by these left-brained people, and I tend to be left-brained myself. Um, and you know, and a lot of a lot of the you know, well feelings aren't rational, and they aren't logical, and they don't make sense. And as I like, well they do if you can understand like you said what what is the message that they're trying to tell us yeah and can we be open to that message um you know when you're talking about you know men on on sports teams and or in the military you know i mean you know people talk about you know real men don't cry it's like so you're going to tell the marine over there that just lost two of his best buddies Who's crying that he's not a real man? I'm sorry, I'm going to beg to differ with you on that one, but okay. Well, <laughs> you know? and that, that's, what the heck
1: is and, that? And that? That's a real. That's a really fabulous example, actually, because last year I met a colleague who is a retired marine, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how he works with men who are, you know, still in that act like a man box mindset, mm-hmm. and they're trying to change it. And it's interesting because what he said is that instead of talking about it in in terms of like um, crying is a great way to release how you're, you're feeling. Right. Instead, they talk about it as completing the stress cycle. Yes. Because this is a stress cycle that is built into our DNA. And so mm-hmm. you're just completing it. It doesn't, right. And so finding ways to reframe mm-hmm. some of these issues right. um, is a really, really nice way to do it.
0: And, you know, I mean, and it's, and it's the only way for for humanity as a whole to move forward because, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the expression about hurt people hurt people. And, you know, and it is, it's very hard. I mean, it, you know, and, and I say this to my clients and their partners all the time. I said, that person that you see in front of you is not six foot three, a hundred and, you know, ninety five pounds that's probably a skinny guy. let's put him at two twenty five okay who's you know who can handle anything what you're seeing is a six year old little boy yeah you know who's who's hurting and you know, and by the way, I'll tell women. I said, and by the way, when you get upset, you're not your chronological age. You're probably a little kid too. So <laughs> let's
1: not go there. Yeah, that really but, happens. It really happens.
0: But it's you know, if if we can't give each other the full range of our emotions and not label, right? Um, you know, we're never going to get anywhere. And so, you're some. And, and and it's one of these things where we need to let go of doing it right. Yeah. You know, because when we're doing something new, very few of us actually do it well. <laughs> yeah, there's some oh, people, yes, just, but, you know, it's like, if, if I, you know, and, and it's one of the things that, that I tell people, I said, if you want your partner to open up to you emotionally, you can't shut them down when they do. You know, yeah. you're not doing I mean I had a, I had a client once and it it just it just killed me. She had miscarried. I think she was she was far enough along, she was probably like 4 or 5 months along. And she miscarried and she was really angry with her husband. And I said, "Why?" And I said Be, she said because he didn't care. And I said, "Whoa, well, whoa. Where's that come from?" She goes, "Well, he didn't cry." Yeah. So because he didn't handle it the way, I mean, the way she thought he should, she ha- she told this story. I mean, and this is why unfortunately, you know, a lot of marriages don't survive the death of a child because, you know, people are handling it very differently and they don't know how to be there for each other. Um, it, you know, and, and this idea that somehow if you have emotions, there's something wrong with you. It's like, no, that's that's your first information system. That's what we're all born with, you know, we, we're not born with any cognitive ability. We're born with very basic. I'm hungry. I'm hurt. I'm tired.
1: <laughs> I, you know, exactly. oh, I'm scared. exactly, And that question of like he didn't, he didn't show it in the way that I wanted him to, mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of thing like this wasn't, I'm sure that this was not the first time that issue has come up for them.
0: Probably not.
1: Right. I mean, so, there's, so that's another piece.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that to me is one of the biggest challenges of relationships is you're two different people. You have two different ways of being, two different ways of seeing the world. Now what are you going to do? <laughs> it's yeah. like, how do, we, how do we make room for the other person and invite them? Um, and you know, and if we want, if you know, and if if we're wanting these things from men, we have to you know not get scared like that, like that that family in in Brene Brown's story, that you know mm-hmm. when 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 my when my husband or my or my boyfriend or my son or you know my friend is suffering, how do I be there for them so that they know it's okay that they're not getting you know because I'm sure that. You know, when you live in the in the box for long enough, you're hyper vigilant to, you know, not oh, not yeah. doing it well. You know, the perform you know, the performative well, aspect.
1: Yeah, it, it is very per- well. It is yeah. You're you're kind of like a, a dog that's always ready to bark.
0: Mhm. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Very much so. Very much so.
0: Well, Charlie, thank you so much for this. So necessary conversation. I'm so glad I came across your article. Um, can you share with people where they can learn more? Um, you know, both both men and women. How how do we help? How do we help men out of this box?
1: Yeah. Well. So um, it's such a pleasure to be here, Leslie. Thank you. Uh, and I I think there's a few directions I could send folks. I definitely recommend the book Nothing's Wrong: A Man's Guide to Managing His Emotions. Um, this book is for anybody who, if you ask him, "Hey, honey, you seem really upset. What's going on?" and he says, "Oh, nothing's wrong." <laughs> this is the book. This is the book for him. Okay. It is a fabulous book. And then, you know, because a lot of these things really need to be moved through with a guide or with somebody who is uh-huh. knowledgeable about this. Um, you know, folks can definitely reach out to me. My website is makesexeasy.com. And uh, you know, if you tell me a little bit about what's going on for you, I might be a good fit. But if I'm not, I'm always happy to recommend one of my colleagues because you know the, the relationship with the practitioner is always the most important. Yep. So. Well,
0: so thank you for that. And, you know, I know it can seem challenging to be compassionate to someone who seems to hold all the power, especially if their actions are creating harm. But if you're not all things at all times, then it's more than likely that no one else is either. And what would help you break the man box, either for yourself or someone you love? Well, hopefully you got some good tips today. And I hope that you will continue to listen to this show for more really fantastic guests and information. And until next week, stay loving.